Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Chewing the Gristle podcast with me, your host, Greg Cock, Gregory Cockery, the Gristle Man, if you will. We have extemporaneous conversations with musical friends from all genres, walks of life, and nostril circumferences. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Can you dig it? In this installment of Chewing the Gristle, we have the one and only Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem. Strap yourselves in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our latest installment. We're almost getting this down to some kind of a science. It's a little scary. I'm a little... I'm a little freaked out by the whole thing. And I'm here today with Brian Fallon, who you all know from the uh, Gaslight Anthem Ensemble, uh, but also does some really awesome solo stuff. I've been watching some of your YouTube stuff where it's just you solo guitar and singing, and it's very, very powerful stuff. So how the heck are you? Where are you right now? I'm at home in, in New Jersey. So you are not only a native of New Jersey, but a continuing yeah. dweller. Yes. <laughs> And they whereabouts in New Jersey are you? Uh, we're, I'm down in the shore in uh, Point Pleasant. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, my uh, last time I was in New Jersey, we, we do something in uh, Asbury Park. So we go there and I like that area. It's cool. Oh, yeah. You you do uh, clinics in Russo's, right? That's correct, Amundo. Which yeah, I guess is okay to say on this particular. <laughs> it's <laughs> they're, fine. they're not a competitor. It's they're fine. a compatriot. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're fine. <laughs> I don't know. So I've been there a couple about? times causing trouble and uh, uh, eating some fine cuisine there. And uh, I just I just dig it. I always have a good time. It's a nice so you, place. So for you living in New Jersey, uh, how much of an impact did the uh, some of the, uh, you know, iconic New Jersey musicians from you know Bruce Springsteen at all have on your approach towards music in general? Well, probably huge because that was like the proof for all of us that sort of said like you can kind of be from you know Nowhereville, New Jersey, but yet the possibility to be a huge worldwide success is uh, well, why not? Because if you know, and his message has always kind of been like, if I could do it, so can you, and. I don't know. Maybe we took that a little too far. And we said, yeah, why not? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it seems said, to have turned out all right for you. Yeah, it, it's been good. So I think that there's something in the in the air of, you know, like if you don't have much when you're looking around when you're young, you figure, well, there's got to be something better than that. So you just, you know, you're it, it sort of takes the boundaries off of you. I can dig it. And and how about your your mom being a, a folk singer? How you know, a lot of people rebel from what their parents did, but it seems like maybe that was a, a good thing for you in terms of uh, role model and things of this nature. Yeah, well, she uh, she kind of had it where she would just start giving me records where most people had like a cool older brother or sister, but right. I didn't have any of that. So, you know, my mom kind of was just like, here's a box full of tapes. Go through these and figure out which ones you like. And, you know, she said she would make suggestions, you know, like if you like Bob Dylan try this, you know, like Joni Mitchell. And if you like that, maybe go into something else too. And then here's Bruce Springsteen and all that, you know, and it kind of, kind of went down the the whole thing like that. So how about when you were 
starting to make records? Was your mom uh, overly critical? Was she supportive? How, how was that dynamic once you started to do it, you know, in a more professional capacity? She was definitely in. She just didn't, she didn't, she, one thing she never did was, uh, she, she always could have done it better than I could, like, especially singing and harmonizing and stuff like that. Um, but she never, ever said anything. Like she never, ever said like, you're doing it wrong. She was just like, that's cool. You know, like that's good. And then if I asked her a question, she would never, ever give me the advice unless I asked her for it, which was cool. That's cool. You know, I, I, yeah. I just had this vision in my head and, you know, my dad, my dad was a lawyer. And uh, when I wanted to be a musician, uh, he was skeptical to say the very least. But my, my favorite thing <laughs> is when we'd be rehearsing in our basement when I was young, making all kinds of noise in the basement, you know, my dad would get home around 6 PM and he'd come in the basement. And it was like, he'd walk down and the bands raging. We're doing our thing. And he would walk down like no one was there. Wouldn't look at us. And he would go right over to my amp and he knew where the off button was and he'd just turn it off and then he'd turn back around and go right upstairs and I'd just look at the guys and go, I guess we're done. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty so, clear at that point. <laughs> so when you started to rock a little bit more, was your mom cool with it or was she was she more preferential to more of the folky vibe? Well, no, they like my mom would she would there was a limit. It was eight o'clock. And as long as it wasn't too loud, it was cool but it had to go off at eight o'clock. So no electric guitar blaring at, at you know, at 10 o'clock, but it was, it was a, a reasonably loud volume before they, before like there was any annoyance happening. So I was, I don't know. I got, I think I got lucky with that. We didn't have much, but I had like a nasty, like tiny crate amp that sounded terrible, but it, it was allowed to be loud. Right. So you know, I think about your, the reason why my mom didn't mind as much is because she had hearing aids. So she would just turn her she just turned her hearing aids off and she was yeah, cool well, with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the way. I mean, I don't think that I spent most of my years practicing quite as much uh, the guitar as I did the lyrics. So sure. I ended up practicing the guitar more. I'm suffering for those sins now. Well, so, it seems yeah. like you, uh, your, your accompaniment to your vocal stuff on the acoustic really sounds great. And, and you're playing some nice guitars. So you, I, I take it you've got the bug. I mean, you, you like I've got the guitars. A few. I do. I don't have like a ton, but I've got, I've got enough where I'm like, these are really good. I don't have, there's no dogs in the house. <laughs> there's none. <laughs> Well, I noticed like even the electric stuff you do is, you know, 335s, Telecaster. So you you, you kind of like the older the older stuff in terms of like the iconic guitars, right? Yeah, I don't I've never kind of messed around with like a like a, a Moss Rite or anything like that because I I sort of felt like if these work so good, right. I don't need to try anything else, you know, and like I I've got a couple tellies that I really like and and I I think that they that's good. Like, I, I, I don't know. I look at it like I'm not precious. I don't have a favorite, you right. know, but like if it works, then it is good. And I don't like it to break. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and Telecasters are one of those things, too, where it's just as uh, as I've said before, at the uh, in a post apocalyptic world, there will be Telecasters and cockroaches and the Telecasters <laughs> will be in tune. They're just yeah. they're indestructible, <laughs> which is they a good are, 100 percent. <laughs> but that's the, that's the, I think that was the design, right? They were just trying to right every part replaceable. Exactly. And they cover all the bases. It's like a blank canvas. You can rock with them, country, funkify, you know, you name it. It, it can do it all. 
Yeah, I find that that is true. There's three sounds and they're all good. (laughs) Every one of them is good. I actually like, people don't like the neck pickup, but I I find that a neck pickup is is nice. Oh, I love it. Yeah, there's definitely a a squishier thing that happens, even though that's not exactly a scientific term, but uh, a a squishier thing that happens on a neck pickup on a telly than a Strat. A Strat's a little harder and a little bit more unforgiving, whereas Telly's just a squishy and delish. Sometimes they're a yeah. little too wimpy, but when you get a good one, man, it's as good as it gets. I love it. When it when you get a, a really, really good one, it, it, to me, a matter of fact, I just got a good one from Wildwood Guitars. Funnily enough, so what did you get? I, just got, I got a Wildwood 10. Uh, it's a, a Telecaster Custom oh, uh, with yeah. the double binding, Sunburst. Yes. And, uh, yeah, very exciting. And it has a, a little bit of the the fifty nine neck on it that they oh, did, so yes. it's a little bit little bit meatier, but not too meaty. Right. And uh, but it sounds really good. Like I, I like it because those any of the the ten series guitars that I get, like they come right out of the case and they're they're set up really nice and yep. they you don't need to change the pickups. They sound really good. Right. It's just like it's good and it's good to go. So uh, I'm happy. I uh about. I don't know how many years ago now, because time just keeps on rolling. But uh, there was one particular year and I, I'd started doing stuff with Wildwood and and I started using one of those 62 Wildwood 10. Uh, it was a sunburst one, kind of a, it wasn't quite a real red sunburst, more of kind of a tobacco-y sunburst type of thing. But it, but I remember the body was ash as opposed to alder, if I okay. remember correctly. And uh, I used that on a bunch of sessions. Then I took it out to Nam, and I played a bunch of gigs out there, played a bunch of things at the show, and that guitar just killed. And I have a recording of some video footage of me. It just was an awesome guitar. And for whatever reason, I didn't keep it. And so every time I go out to Wildwood, I think that's one of the reasons why, I, you know, the videos turn out as well as they do in terms of, you know, people enjoy watching them and they seem to buy the guitars is because I'm actually thinking about buying every one of those guitars when I play. <laughs> <laughs> it seems there was one in particular where you did a video recently for maybe over the, over the winter for a, uh, a, a Murphy uh, gold top oh, yeah. with P nineties and, yep. and it, it sold incredibly quickly. But uh, I remember doing math like on my computer and going, if I sell this and if I do this a month, and if I give this much blood, how can I afford? But you were playing it, and you—I remember you stopping and saying like, "Oh, like there was like something out of character where you were like really taken by it. It was awesome <laughs> to see, which I like that. I, I enjoy. I love when anybody enjoys something. Oh well, I tell you, I tell you, there's often when those videos that that conversation you have with yourself that's going on as I'm doing the video. <laughs> if I get I'm this sure, one, well, if I put this aside, I wonder if I could. You know, oh, it, it yeah. happens. That I've been pretty be good as of late, though. I've been, I've been, uh, um, shall we say, exercising self control. It was kind of funny because yeah. right before, right before the COVID hit, yeah. uh, I had an itch for a, um, for a, for like a Murphy aged and painted custom shop Les Paul of some sort. You know, Wildwood yeah. Spec fifty eight or fifty nine, whatever. Um, and I was really thinking hard about getting one, and something in the back of my mind said. You know what? Because I what happened was I had some cool custom shop Les Pauls a while back, but uh, I bought a '53 Tele. There was a real one that came through oh. Wildwood, and it was, uh, you know, it it was it had been sprayed over. The pickups were original, 
there was like a little hole in it somewhere. So it was more of a player's guitar, but it's still, it was, it, it was more expensive than any other guitar I ever bought. So I liquidated a bunch of stuff. And so now I don't have any, uh, you know, flamey Les Pauls. And right. so I was thinking about getting one, right. And I had a couple, I was like, man, I think I should get this, but something in the back of my mind's like, no, just hold on for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then all thing. of a sudden, Boom. How about yeah. no gigs for a year? I'm like, ah, good thing I held off. <laughs> yes. That's how I think most of us felt about that. <laughs> it's I do know what you're saying. It is, it's wild. And I didn't even know at that point during all this, whether you could sell guitars or would people be wanting to buy them from you? I don't know. Well, maybe they are. Well, it's interesting. People seem to be, uh, you know, cause we're all at home and, you know, of course, there's horrible situations where people don't, you know, my cat is attacking me here. Luna girl, who's <laughs> savage beast. Um, you know, there's obviously horrible stories about people being unemployed and all that other kind of stuff. And then there's other people who by, you know, a combination of uh, good fortune or whatever you want to say, are able to uh, do what they do from home. I'm being one of them. Um, and so you're, you're, you're able to continue on. And then people just want stuff to do. So if they're at home and all of a sudden it's like, maybe I'll start playing guitar. So it seems like people yeah. are, um, you know, maybe not professional musicians, but a lot of people who are, you know, the uh, um, uh, hobbyist or that wanted to get into it, they seem to be going all in. I mean, yeah. it's kind of interesting when we started doing the, the video thing at home, uh, one of the guys at Fishman who was trying to set me up with a few different things, it's like, you can't get a webcam of a certain kind because they're completely sold out. Once people started doing stuff from home, recording equipment, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> microphones, cameras, they're gone because people yeah, are like, absolutely. Oh, I guess we're going to be at home doing stuff now. And so it's, it's just, it's such a bizarre time. No one knows what's going on. It's a boon for some people. It's bust for others. You yeah. know, musicians are transitioning. I was going to ask you about this. I mean, what, what are you doing? I mean, obviously you're doing, you know, your thing where you're doing stuff on your YouTube page and so on and so forth. But in terms of gigs, obviously, you're not physically able to do them at this point. And, and I don't know what you've heard. I mean, there's a couple of things that seem to be coming in for like, Oh, well maybe there's this outdoor festival in August now that we can do, but other people are like, yeah, but now that's a hot spot. That's so when are they going to cancel that? You know what I mean? So what, yeah. what are your feeling is about when work's going to commence and what are you doing in the meantime? Well, I mean, for me, it's tough to say, like, I think that I don't see like regular concerts being played until next year right. at, at the soonest. Right. Um, I think smaller ones could be played if you, you know, people are doing like drive-in ones or whatever. Right. And I think that that could be done. I don't know that I'm going to do those, but maybe who knows. And uh, like in inside, I think that's the real tricky part is inside, you know, and people don't really know what to do yet. I don't want to be, I'm not really like interested in trying that out though. You know, right. to be like the first one to say, Hey, <laughs> Whoa, whoops. You know? Well, it's, it's just kind of like in the beginning of this thing, I had gotten back from, I was traveling someplace, I was on an airplane coming from one place to the next and I get home and everything had just started to lock down and I had friends in Italy that I was talking to and they were going, look, this is for real, we're locked down, we're not doing anything, it's coming your way, prepare yourself. So I knew it was a real thing and um, I had this gig that was like for the next night and uh I told the folks, I'm like, look, I've been traveling. I have no idea. I've been out to Boston, you know, flying on an airplane, connecting in, you know, Chicago. 
I, yeah. I have no idea if I have it. How am I going to do a gig? It was a small kind of a coffee shop thing, kind of a uh, written a bunch of songs with this guy. And we were just going to kind of talk about our process, you know, X amount of people there. But I'm like, I don't feel comfortable exposing myself to these people. Well, that sounded weird, but. <laughs> Go on, do that. Know, <laughs> and so <laughs> I canceled the gig. And at first they were like, well, you know, we're going to say that, you know, maybe you feel weird because maybe you were exposed to somebody. I'm like, no, don't say that. Just say, you know, due to, you know. So we ended up canceling. And then within like a week, everything was shut down. So, yeah. And to this point, it's just, it's so hard to to figure out what's up. But we we carry on. We play guitar. Yeah, yeah, dude. I don't really know, though. Like, as far as what to do in the interim, I think that, like, I mean, we've been, I have two small kids, so we've been kind of trying to entertain them, especially now that school's out. Right. Um, but, yeah, so. <laughs> so how old are your kids? Uh, seven and four. So, like, oh, the energy, yeah. energy level is high. Yes. <laughs> and dad's energy level is low. <laughs> So, that's what yeah. caffeine is for my friend yeah i'm learning there's uh there's a great shop uh, called uh bones coffee in florida that is they'll mail you bags like you could do like a subscription thing and it's not that expensive but it tastes awesome they've got oh, all these crazy flavors bones super good coffee shop bones like oh, bones, bones. Like skeletons. sorry yeah. freud freud came calling <laughs> <laughs> but as you can see i'm like hello darkness my old friend my, my yeah. niece got this for me for christmas because she knows that's I'm a, a coffee free <laughs> it's a great shirt i noticed it immediately and <laughs> you, i said that's a coffee shop. but <laughs> so it, no you should try this it's good coffee they have all sorts of flavors and everything and they're really really good uh so my wife and i have kind of just perpetually been ordering them um Excellent. but i've been taking I've been doing uh, a lot of co-writing sessions for other people. So I've been kind of doing that, set up some for like, you know, lots of people do it. Uh, so I've just kind of said like, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm open to do it. And then, you know, I've been doing those on zoom and then right. I've been practicing. I've been taking, I mean, I started taking lessons like, like seriously about two years ago. And I, I kind of got to the point where I said, you know, all right, I've got this thing and I've been playing it for 25 years. I don't really know what I'm doing with it. Like I can play pretty, I, you know, I got good timing. I can play rhythm, but like, I want to know what, how, how do I make it do the things, you know? And, uh, it, it was weird. So I've been doing that a lot, especially during this taking class. I took a class of Julian Lodge offered. And oh, awesome. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm not, you know, it's really weird. Like I feel like the outcast of all the like w wannabe guitar heroes or whatever. Whereas like, I don't, like I like Jimi Hendrix and stuff, but I don't, I'm not, I never got like mega into like, I love Dwayne Allman and stuff, but I, I don't, I don't want to play like Dwayne because like so many other people do it better than sure. I do already I yeah. that I'm kind of like, I don't think, I don't think I can do that. So my thing is like, I wonder all these like kind of really melodic things that like maybe like Roy Buchanan does, which obviously I'm not going to be like that, but I could try or like Julian or, there's like these outside of the box guitar players where they're sort of going and making their guitar sound like violins or string sections. And I'm, sure. I'm sort of going, I think there's something here that has not been maybe dived into from my own head. And I, I'm sure. trying to find like this orchestral, it's bizarre. It's, it's, it's a little bit like what kind of like how Derek trucks took the gospel singer approach right. to the slide. Right. So I'm like taking like the orchestral Thing to sure. I, it's, I can't even explain it because I'm still on the journey. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's all about you know, um, 
I can completely relate to that fact is that there, there's people that have done things and there's a lot of people that uh, continue to just kind of uh, ride on the shoulders of those that have been. And and that's cool. It's all good. You know, whatever yeah, we want to do. But there's also that, you know, to me, it's like, yeah, well, I'm over here and too much of that has already been done or is being done. I was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to go over here for a while because it's all kind of playing into what you want to do as an artist. So that's great. I mean, and, and the great thing about guitar and music in general is that, um, and I think one of the things that this quarantine has uh, really brought to the fore is this this feeling of not only learning, but refining what you do. You know what I mean? Like you're yeah. just describing kind of this, hey, I've got this vision. Now I got a little time to just kind of take a little breath and maybe add some stuff to the stew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stir up the cauldron, <laughs> serve it up, pipe and hot. That's what I'm doing. So now I'm sitting here every night practicing Aeolian scales and all this stuff over and over. The one good thing though is I have like that. I have that brain where you, I can sit down for four hours at night and just over and over again while I'm watching TV. So right. it's sort of working out quick. And I think that I've been playing for so long that I do see my progression going faster than it did when I was younger. Sure. So for me, the big, the big issue for me is finding the proper, uh, sort of teaching, right. you know, cause like it's, it's difficult. So I'm reading, I'm reading that Ted Green book, Chord That's Chemistry one, right yeah. now. Yeah. That's hard to understand though. It is. You know, it's difficult. It's, there's a lot of stuff in there that you're like, whoa, what? Like I learned the clash chords. I didn't learn all that. What is this? Right. A major well, seven, nine. With a there, there were two books that I remembered when I was younger. Um, one I got when I was in eighth grade. Uh, I was taking lessons for man, eighth grade, ninth grade, something like that. And it was from uh, this buddy of mine who I started taking lessons from. I guess Bob's about seven, eight years older than I am. Um, and what I liked about him is that I sometimes I'd just go in and say, hey, play this Hendrix song. I just wanted to see someone actually play it in front yeah. of me. I mean, but he had all, <laughs> totally. you know, there was a good uh, jazz conservatory here in town that a lot of people, it was a legit place where a lot of people came from all over to go to the school. And he went to school there. So he knew uh, he was learning jazz as well as being able to do all the kind of classic cream Hendrix, you know, Almond Brothers, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but he recommended this book and I always tell people about the book and it's kind of hard to get at this point in time for whatever reason, people are like, oh, man, that book's going for like 200 bucks on eBay. I'm like, what? You gotta be kidding me. Really? But, but this guy named Warren Nunes, N-U-N-E-S, he was a, a San Francisco based jazz guitar player. And he came out with this book. It was just called jazz guitar, the blues. And it starts off kind of with like a basic 12 bar progression. And then he just proceeds to add more interesting chords and substitutions and two fives and all this kind of stuff. So by the time you're done, it's like, you're just immersed in all these cool chords. And I realized I have probably, you know, I've added more chords to the arsenal, but so much of what I do was from this book I got when I was like an eighth grade, you know what I mean? That's and cool, I still though. take it out every now and again and I'll go, man, that's some cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's true. It's so weird. Like I found myself looking in places that aren't your traditional guitar places. Right. So I was kind of looking at like, I mean, obviously I started, when you first start this journey, you sort of boil it down to go, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I kind of want to do like the wind cries, Mary, that stuff, the melodic stuff. Right. But then I want to, I want my guitar to sound like when Nina Simone sings. Right. So that's what I want to do. And then like mix that together. And that's me. And so right. then I went from like Hendrix and I was like, well, who else kind of does that? But with weird chords like jazz. And I thought immediately I was like, well, John Frusciante does that. 
because he uses those weird chords, right? Like the sevens and the nines and diminishes, and he makes it sound melodic. It's not really jazz. Right. So like I went there, and then that led me to like you know like the Nina Simone guitar playing, and then even like Jeff Buckley, who uses yeah. a lot of strange chords. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is this is cool. So I sort of had like a little bit of stuff to search. And then I found like Julian Lodge and all that. And it was like, that really opened a lot to my mind. I was like, whoa, yeah. that guy's good. That's <laughs> crazy good. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. There's never any, uh, there's never any, uh, shall we say, um, uh, <laughs> short supply of cool stuff to learn. That's yeah. a great thing about playing guitar is that it never gets boring. You know, I, I've been kind of harassing my, my kids, my son, my oldest son plays drums with me. Um, and, and the girls are into theater and they sing and one kind of plays a little bit of guitar and one plays a little bit of bass, but they don't really practice. They'll practice a little bit here and there and then it's that. And then my youngest plays saxophone and um, he's involved with the jazz, you know, this jazz ensemble thing through the conservatory and at school. And he, and he shows promise, but they're like, yeah, I don't really like practicing. I'm like, look, you don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> times times will change and when you have music you'll never get bored and you'll always have people to hang with because you'll have kindred spirits who enjoy the same thing that you do and you can get together and have this meaningful experience but it's one of those things where uh either you get the bug or you don't right 100% <laughs> and, well practicing is tough it's a, kind of a drag a little bit but not when you see when you know you're going somewhere and the only way to get there is by practicing, like, right. you know, you, when you hit the time where you're trying to do something and it sort of just is not happening and right. it's way above your skill level, but you slow it down to like, you know, 30 BPM or whatever, something ridiculously slow. And I read somewhere that of all people, fellow New Jerseyan Zach Wild, yes. who, you know, who I love, but not an influence, you know, right. like I, I'm a fan, but not an influence. And right. so uh, I, I read an article where he was saying, He's like, there was a point when I was young and I realized there's nothing I can't do. Like when I was watching Steve Vai or something as a kid, he said, it's just a matter of how many times am I willing to do it until it's right. Right. And I said that, that the difference between your goal, he said, the difference between your goal and where you're at is how many times you're willing to do it. And I was like, right. Like that's, I was like, all right, now I'm doing this. So that's it. That's you know, that's, and that's, that. as you said earlier too, it's like, you know, now that you've been playing for a while, things come quicker than they did when yes. you were early. And that's, and that's one of the things I was trying to tell my son. He's like, man, practicing is so hard. I go, yeah, but the more that you do it, the better you'll get. And then it becomes more fun because you can do more. Yeah. <laughs> and it just kind of feeds into that. So I think there's definitely that. I mean, I, I totally remember, I'm sure you do too, when you're younger and you're like, God, if it was only two years from now, <laughs> after all this practice <laughs> that I'll be able to do X, Y, and Z, you know? <laughs> Uh, and, and a lot of those things did come to fruition. I had these goals of like, I want to be able to do this, this, and this, and this. And at first it just seemed hard and a nightmare, but you just keep at it <clears throat> and it comes. That's why I tell a lot of po folks that I'm doing a Skype lesson or with somebody or something like that. Well, what do you, how much do you practice? And I'm like, well, I, I kind of play all the time. I don't really practice. I mean, I do kind of, you know, we'll touch up on this and the next thing. But yeah. you know, people think, oh, well, you know, on the weekend, I'll, I'll play for a couple hours and that'll, and then they're wondering why they don't make any progress. I'm like, no, you got to do stuff every day. It's yeah, like, every day. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, you can't, you kind of don't stop practicing. Like I sort of pick it up. It's weird. Cause like, you know, I use the morning and the night as a good time because that's when my kids are tired. So uh, I try to like, it's like, I have to I sneak attack. 
when they're not ready for it. And I grab my guitar and sit on the couch while they're waking up and eating breakfast. And I'll just, I'll just run through like scales, which is, sure. but I like doing it because I can move my fingers and do what I'm doing, but not concentrate at all and totally be engaged in like, if they're talking to me, I can be like, yep. You know, and like getting that muscle memory going, it's important. It's the thing. It like, it really is helpful. And it's such a weird thing though, to be, you know, at this, like I learned, uh, I'm 40, but I learned piano. I had never touched piano and I learned it at 37. Uh So, which is a weird time to be taking up piano. But right. I grabbed it and I, I was able to like, I'm not great at it, but I can play Night Swimming from R.E.M., which is a pretty tough song. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I was able to play my own songs on the piano, which is really all I ever wanted to do. And uh, I, that encouraged me to say, like, well, what else is possible? Like, right. I don't know, maybe I'm super good and just don't know it or maybe not. But let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're finding out. It's great to be able to just uh you know, especially if you've got time to do it, as you said, you know, if you're a musician, you can do, once you've been playing along, it's easy to trans, you know, transmit it to different instruments and so on and so forth. And it's just, it just never gets old. No, You know, it's it kind of weird, you know, when this, this sequestering thing started, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, after you get over to the fact of, okay, what, what do I need to do during the day to kind of make sure that I have, you know, money to eat? Uh, and, you know, but people are like, I'm so <laughs> bored. What am I going to yeah. do? What should I watch on Netflix. I'm like, if people just leave me alone and I can play my guitar, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't have to do anything. I mean, that that's like, there's even so many things like too, once you pick it up, like I was for the first year of this whole thing, I was sort of learning, um, you know, since my band doesn't really play now I'm just by myself. So I was like, well, I play mostly acoustic. So how you know, I'm not just going to strum the thing that'll get boring after two hours of a show or a record or whatever. So I'm like, I got to learn all this finger picking business. Right. So I did. And like, there's like aspects of the guitar too. There's like lead and chords and then there's finger picking. And right. I was slowing it down to like a choo-choo train and just right. like two, two, three. Oh, you got to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, and, but and God bless my wife for just like, tuning it out. It's just like awesome at tuning me out. She's like, yes. I don't even hear you doing it anymore. <laughs> a little, she'll wake up at 2 a.m. A little metronome going. Like, eh, better than drugs. Now, does your wife play anything at all? Is she musician-minded or not really? No, she's a, a theater and film. So she ah. does uh, that. She's a producer, and she does that on end of it where kind of lays the conceptual thing out. So she's got a whole other artistic brain. It's cool. Got it. Yeah. So it, it's like a completely different thing. And sometimes I watch that go on and go, oh, it's like, well, you should plan out my life for me then. Because if you can dictate all these people where they should go. Right. You got to give me a schedule or something. Because I'm a, I'm a mess with that. Direct even, me. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I brush my teeth at three in the afternoon. I don't know. <laughs> I was playing every night acoustic doing kind of I was doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing like should have warmed up before I did them like stretches and things and um I ended up with like that uh that ulnar nerve thing in your elbow where it basically was like every time you bent out your elbow it just like really hurt bad so that I had to get that all healed up which the sitting around actually helped and then it got better and I was like ready to go back on tour again and then it was like so, uh, oh, well, at least I can practice. It's cool. 
Yeah, the 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 arm the 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 musculature mus musculature musculature. That's a hard word. Yeah, problems yeah. with the uh, the arms and the hands is something that always has made me paranoid. And uh, luckily, I've been I've been good. About two nights ago, I woke up and my wrist was killing me. And I was like, "What is this? I must have slept on it wrong." So I've been wearing an arm brace, and it seems to have helped quite a bit. But yeah, terrifying. Well, I think that they never teach you sort of like posture and like sitting up and holding the thing right and not, you know, like the biggest thing was like, no one ever told me not to hold bar cords like that. Ah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, you have to really like, you sort of have to keep it straight and then pull back on the guitar and not let that thumb be gripping it with a death grip. Right, right. It's a tricky thing because that's how I got it. You know, I was like squeezing so hard with my thumb and then stretching my fingers with right. the wrist all like this. So look at that position. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So you, and then it, so it just twisted up the nerve and then, but it's fine. It came out. It's all right. Excellent. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle infested conversation to give a special shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about some of those acoustics I've been seeing you playing. Well, uh, the, are they Martins or are they like fancy Martins or is it more of a custom thing? I couldn't quite tell. They're uh, no, they're all fancy Martins. <laughs> so, <laughs> one Excellent. is a uh, yeah, hey, one of them's a, a triple O uh, 42. Okay, so essentially, it's just like I saw Eric Clapton play it on the you know, the unplugged, and I was like, I got I like back guitar, I gotta have right. That one. So, um, the, you know, there was like that one, and then I got a 12 fret uh, double O 42. That was a uh, my friend uh, from an unnamed shop in Asbury. That you know, just whatever. Yeah. Uh, he ordered it custom, and he he just put it together. And he and he showed it to me one day, and I was like, "That's not going on the floor. That's going home with me." Yes. So I basically just like he let me like sell off guitars to pay it off, and I did. So uh, you know, we had to wait a little while to consign them and things, but like I did it, and it and it, and it worked, and and that thing is awesome like it sounds yeah, i saw a video incredible. of you playing with that one i had a lot of pearl inlay on the headstock too right yeah and it has like the open headstock so but it's really tiny it's like 12 frets so there's no there's no business up here right. you just gotta you know you gotta own the the first right. 12 frets which is right. great you know but i mean hey you know you learn a couple little triads it's good right so, it sounded glorious it is glorious in person like incredible uh, and that, and then the only other one is a, a recent acquisition. I got my very first vintage guitar. Ah. So I've never owned a vintage guitar and I got a, uh, a 1945, uh, triple O 18. Oh yeah. So it's pretty sweet. It's got like, uh, no, no big changes on it, but lots of wear like played for real. Right. Um, but no, you know, like bridge has been re-glued, neck was reset a hundred years ago. Uh, but like plays awesome. Neck is dead straight. It's great. So that's my like real like whew. wow. Yeah. You know, 1945. Yeah, that's wicked. What? That's so cool. Some about those old guitars, you know, it's it's um I was at uh, someplace where they had a whole bunch of old Martins. 
kind of just all lined up. Yeah. And you know, when you, you get those old ones, man, they're, I mean, they all sound great. I mean, there's sure. new Martin sound beautiful and custom shop ones sound glorious. Uh, but the older ones, there's just a thing. That's, it's one of the things, you know, people are like, oh, vintage guitar is really that big. It's like, well, there's definitely something about them. You know yeah, what I mean? there, there is. I mean, I think with electrics, you can kind of like electrics, they can be sort of faked. Like, like for instance, that one Murphy that you played the gold top, right? That did sound like a vintage gold top. Like it, it was, if my eyes were closed, I don't think I would have known which one was which. Right. But with an acoustic, I mean, that, that small body double O Martin is probably the, it's definitely the highest end custom shop I've ever touched. Sure. But it doesn't sound like the old one because it's so dry. Right. So if I was going to be like, which one is more of a difference, I would say the acoustic old ones are more of a difference than the, but you know, they can be had. Like if you don't, you know, I, I didn't get pre-war. I got right up against the end of the war. You know, right. the, the cost is different. It's, it is, it's different, you exactly. know? And absolutely. I think that if you, you know, that's why you got to buy a lot of guitars from Wildwood, keep some, and then you have stuff to sell because it's quality if exactly. you need to. And I will say that Wildwood does have a few vintage pieces from now and then. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, they do. There's always something to to tempt one. Although, as I I haven't been out there now in a few months. So you haven't. I've been uh, no. I'm in Wisconsin. So um, when when you know, I I did get one of those uh, uh, COVID antibody tests because I thought, well, maybe I did have a mild version of it, and now I'm over it. And if I'm over it, well, then maybe I can go out in Colorado and do some videos. So I got the test, and I I haven't had it apparently. Of course, those tests aren't 100 anyways. Apparently, but yeah. Uh, best, so yeah, I'm, I, I don't imagine I'll be going out there again until, well, who knows, you know, yeah, I will say though that I was, yes, well, I was thoroughly pleased because when I ordered that telly, uh, recently, it was like two weeks ago, uh, they, they had said, they're like, we're actually going to hold on to it for, uh, just a couple days, like 72 hours or something just to, just to be safe. Right. And I was like, I said that, I mentioned it to my wife and I was like, wow, that's kind of, I was like, I never heard that before. She's like, it's awesome. Better safe than sorry. And I, right. and then I hundred percent agree with that. That's yeah, like yeah. a good way to do it. Absolutely. It's a good thing. But you know, Wild I did want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, your band, you know, yeah. obviously a massive success yeah. and tell us a little bit about how it was getting to that point. Uh, from where you were in New Jersey, a little bit of the uh, the uh, the escalation of events, shall we? Say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the truth of it all, I think the one thing that separated us and every other band who was successful, there's like there's one element that the people who didn't do it don't have, and that's that we literally opened up the phone book and found every bar in every state in America that we could get to not Alaska, not Hawaii, and that we could drive to. So, and we booked shows for 20 bucks or tips sometimes. And we got in like a literal $1,600 van, learned how to keep it going by fixing it and just drove. And we would do it until the money ran out and then we'd go home and make more money at work. You know, like whatever we did, we were, sometimes I worked at a gas station, shoe store, whatever. And then I would quit. And people are like, what do you mean you didn't have a job? I'm like, no, I would save up enough money 
to go back on tour, save $2,000. And everybody would do that, $2,000, you know? And then we'd pop it in, had 8,000. If there was an emergency in the van, we could fix it. We'd probably eat for a while. And then we'd go on tour and try to pay ourselves back. And we couldn't. But eventually, it started to build up. And then, like, the more we did that, we sort of got, like, a following in many places. And that sort of buzz, it was totally grassroots. Like, really done, like, almost like what a jam band would do. Sure. Where it's just, it's all about the people listening. It was nothing to do with radio or labels or any of that. And and we just built it up brick by brick until some people started to notice and then other people started to notice. And then like Bruce Springsteen started to notice and it was like, you know, but I will say though that we were before he came on, like we were doing all right. Like we had like a good, we, had, we were doing better than we thought we could ever get to. So like we had like a good setup from doing it just the, the DIY way. And then he came and kind of like exposed us to lots and lots of people. Got it. So, but yeah, it was like the work, uh, a machine of, of like the little engine that could, that's who, that's what we did. Well, that that's fascinating. Cause you know, <clears throat> I think a lot of musicians, um, certainly myself included back when I was younger, it was just like, yeah, you got to do some shows here and there, but sooner or later you got to meet the person that is going to give you the opportunities to do X, Y, and Z. And then my own experience, like, well, you make your own opportunities by just doing it, by just yes. getting out there and doing it. And, and, and the thing that my band never really did was just, I mean, we've done it in Europe, but we've never done what you're describing, which is get in the van and go and, and not care about the dough. You're just out there to play the music and you'll, you know, if you have to sleep on friends floors and all that other kind of stuff, uh, because there is something totally different about actually getting in front of people and having them experience, just like the internet stuff. It's like, yeah, people enjoy stuff on the internet. They'll see shows on the internet, but then they'll see the band live and go, oh my God, I had no idea. Well, that's the yeah. whole thing you're talking about is the fact that you did that work and people said, oh my God, from the get-go, and then it just built up from there. <laughs> well, the thing that you said about meeting the right person, though, that that can be true to a point. It, it is true. Like, you do need to meet people to help you, but the, the only way is like very early on, we sent a couple demos out and we were like, Hey, uh, you know, do you want to sign our band? And they would just be like, no. But the funny thing is with that very same demo and those very same songs, those people came three or six months or whatever later when we built up a following that was big enough to where, and I'm only talking about 50 people. But you build up 50 people in New Jersey, New York, Boston, Connecticut, Delaware, like in that area, right. there are small labels that will come to your shows and be like, what is this band I keep hearing about? Like, I keep seeing all these stickers and people are talking about this band. What is this? And they'll come see you. And with the very same demo, they were like, oh yeah, we want to work with you. So it's, it's, it's just about building up enough noise so that they come to you because you never want to go. The best advice I could give anyone is never go to them because you'll get the worst deal. Don't right. do it. Wait right. till they come to you. And if they don't come to you, there is always a reason they're not coming to you. And it's because something is not that one of the like one of the fuses is not in the electrical box yet. Right. And and you got to just figure out which one it is. Which I I don't I don't know. There was like, <laughs> nope. like sometimes That's we good. figured it out. Sometimes we didn't. But we were very good about asking questions and receiving advice without being uh, sort of like, what do you know? You know, that was another thing that separated us from a lot of people is we just sort of 
we were sponges. We were like, yeah, cool. Oh, we need to get tighter. What's tighter mean? Oh, okay. We're not playing on time. Okay. All right. Let's work on that. Right. Oh, I sing out of key. Okay. I need to fix that. Like it was never like, what do you know? You just sort of analyze and yeah, I don't know. No, that's good. These are all good things. Yeah. That's what I, I would tell anybody who was like starting out that tried to, and then they go like, I'm not going to tour like that. And I was like, well, McDonald's breakfast, not so bad. If you eat it a whole day and you just delicious hash browns. Yeah. It's great. Who doesn't like a hash brown? Perfect. Yeah, it's breakfast day, any, any time of the day as well. I mean, you're oh, good. That wasn't the case when we were doing it. We had to get there by 10 a.m. or else it was not exactly. or 11 or or as well. Exactly. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if you were up late, that's too bad. <laughs> well, what is it like to get from the point of, you know, you're, you're slonging it out in the clubs, you're in this $1,600 van, and all of a sudden you find yourself at one of those huge festivals in front of a sea of people and they know your songs. It's, it's just got to be a trip at that point. Am I right? Yeah, it's a total trip. But the, I mean, well, the, the one thing is like at those festivals, like only a small pocket know your, know your songs. Like they usually speaking, like when you're in front of, like a lot of people are like, I want to play Glastonbury or Reading and Leeds or Lollapalooza or whatever. And we've right. done all those, but like 99% of the time, it's not that cool because there's like a hundred people or that, even if there's a thousand people, when there's 50,000 people lined up to see Radiohead at eight o'clock or whatever. Oh, they, I got yeah, like it's like it's a dot on a on a big ocean. So like your fans are like unless you're like rage against the machine, you know? Right. It's not that cool. Like so everyone thinks it's like this thing, but when you get out there, you're kind of like, this is so lame. I want to go back to the club. <laughs> I want to go to the club with 300 people, like who are pouring beer everywhere because it's alive and electric and you know. Right. That that's the, for me. That was like the thing, you know. And now I don't want beer. I'm like, don't spill beer in my guitar, please. I have insurance, you know. Like it's it's not like that. But now that's why I, I sit down. I play the piano. I whisper sometimes. Right. That's the way. But when I was younger, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, but the playing like big shows, it's it's awesome. Like it's not. There's nothing that's there's nothing not cool about that. Because you just you're like there's all these people in this room and I wrote this song on the side of my bed or on the floor somewhere. Like right. this is nuts. And it's, it is, it's nuts. It's totally nuts. So it's awesome. Like, I think we never forgot how awesome it is. Well, let yeah. me ask you this. I, I, you know, I always think about this as well because I've, you know, in, in my touring that I've done, I've had, you know, a road manager that doubles as, you know, roadie it's, you know what i mean sure. it's all been like pretty down and dirty kind of like what you're talking about with your van with you know the guys in the band at what point do you're like okay well now we've got a little bit more uh i'm gonna hire this person and this person to do stuff and okay now i gotta get road cases or i gotta get gear and i gotta yeah at, at what kind of walk us through that process of you're like well i knew this guy would be good as a roadie because he knew how to do x y and z or all that that kind of that that kind of stuff fascinates me is how the how the team is built you know what i mean well yeah it's always like somebody wants to do it that's usually the thing like somebody will come up to you and be like hey i want to help out with that and we had tons of friends in new brunswick and like the like the scene, even just in our home venue, which was called the court tavern. And it was like about 250 people like on it, you know, jammed in there. But like, there was always somebody who was like, I, I don't know. I just want to go on tour. Like, give me like 50 bucks a, a day or a, a week even. And like, I'll do it. And, and like somebody will always be down to help. And on, 
before that came, before that came, we just did it ourselves. So like we would just load our own stuff in. Um, the road case thing was huge though. Cause those are not cheap. Right. They're like, yeah, $300 each. If you've got an acoustic and you're buying a Carlton case, that's as much as the guitar. $1,200. Right. right. You know, which, but you have to have it cause you cannot fly in a, don't let anyone fool you that you can fly in your Martin right. case or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know, like that, that was when we went to Europe the first time we, we were like, we got to get like, every, I remember the bouncing souls was another band from around here that was cool to us. And they were like, they're like, dude, you cannot fly with those cases. You got to get road cases. Like dude, you, you will smash those guitars. And we were just like, Oh no. So on the credit card, it goes right. Figure out how to pay it off on the credit card. It goes. Yeah. That thing was sizzling in the oh. early days. Yeah. It's wild how you have to kind of think through that stuff of how are we going to get those, you know, we, this trio I have with my son and the, and um, the organ player, that was my biggest concern is like, well, we need a B3 and we need something that's going to pull that thing off. And how are we going to do that overseas? And yeah, it's, it's a nightmare, but you figure it out and away you go. And as you said, usually what happens is, is that somebody finds out that's a friend of a friend and says, Oh yeah, well we can take care of it. It's all. <laughs> yeah. There's always somebody willing to like loan you one or, or you can get, you know, there's always some, I found that musicians are totally down to help other musicians most of the time. Right. Most you know, the like they're just, even now though, like people come up to me especially like after shows or something and they'll just be like, how do you do this? And I'll just be like, like this. Or if, if I have that thing that they're looking for, I'll put them in touch with somebody and just be like, Oh, call this guy. That's who you should call. They'll help you out. You know? And I think that it mo there's so many people who are m really willing to help because they've all been there. Right. You know, everybody's been there and like, it's hot on the roof when you're putting the shingles on. I don't want to do that anymore. So it should be nice. <laughs> Try to play good guitar. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Guitar is cool. I like it. Guitar is great. Be nice and play guitar is basically, that's a new t-shirt that we need. Be, Be nice, nice and play guitar. guitar. <laughs> it's, totally fine. it's really not hard. Nah, don't be mean. Cool. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What kind of guitars are in the back of your mind right now? Like I'd really like to get X, Y, and Z. I know you just got that telly, but yeah. I know how it is. Like you get one, but there's another one lurking behind that periphery. A deck? Yes. The, the only one that I truly miss is I, I had a, a custom shop, uh, like an R4, like with the wraparound, oh, um, yeah. Les Paul, and, and like no, uh, everyone tells me that that's a bad idea. They're like, you want the saddles? It doesn't intonate. I'm like, I don't intonate to life. <laughs> I'm like, I will bend those strings and you know, I'll do I'm what like, needs you, to be done. I'll do what needs to be done. You squeeze harder. You, you want sharper? Squeeze harder. You want that's less right. sharp? You, you see, less sharp. You don't even call it flat. Like, yeah, just less sharp. Hey, can you play a B less sharp? Yes. Perfect. I think, yeah, I, there was a 54 gold top that I had that was just like a, a reissue. But yeah. I, I like, I, you know, I, as people do, I wanted something else. So I let it go. And I, I still like go, man, that was a really good one. Like it was loud when you hit it. You shouldn't have sold that one. So, ah, but I it's keep seeing them. I know there's a Murphy, one of those on, on Wildwood right now, but so much, so much dollars. Yeah. They so are, so I mean, that's the thing that's been getting me is like, I've got such a hankering for a, a Murphy aged and painted beast, but 
they are, I mean, you know, granted, are they expensive as the real thing? No, no, but yeah. still it's, you know, it's, oh man, it's a lot of, that's a lot of scalotti. Yeah. And just wait, Brian, <laughs> till the kids get older. My, my, I got four of them at home. And now of course they're all back home again uh, because of the coves and, um, it's, um, you know, just feeding them is, uh, is great expense. <laughs> oh, they eat so much food. And don't oh do any work. Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's amazing. I, I kind of joke around my my uh, my oldest. Um, you know, he's, he's my size. He's six seven, and um, and we like to eat. You know, you got to eat. You got to eat. Uh, but it's he likes to stay up late at night. So we'll we'll have dinner and we'll maybe have some leftovers. You're like, well, great. At least we'll have some leftovers for the you know the next day. But then I, I refer to him as the nightcomer. He'll come yeah. in. <laughs> And it'll just be gone, which I used to do myself when I was a young. And so I relate, but it's, it's. Well, you, you always say feast, right? Exactly. You must feast. (laughs) We take it very seriously. There's nothing wrong with it, but uh, when you have uh, large humans feasting all at the same time, it's uh, the party never ends. So now I've got, uh, I've got a college, a college student at home who's taking classes I've got my high schoolers now taking some summer school classes in this jazz thing. I've got my oldest daughter who's doing her work from home. And then my wife is working from home. And then my son and I do these four live feeds a week. And we've been doing, I've been doing these interviews and so on. So it's never ending activity, but you know what? It's kind of fun. I'm sure we'll yeah. look back on this and say, remember that time when we all had to help? You know what I mean? Remember when we were inside for a year? <laughs> Wasn't yeah. that great? Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> we really got to know each other. <laughs> but I will say though that I, I read uh I read a lot of people, like a lot of couples were fighting in the beginning. And I, I realized that like I don't know, I said like to like the other day my wife says like she's like, I guess we get along because we haven't really fought. So I was like, that's cool. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's relieving. It, it is indeed, especially you know, you you figure you're on the road X amount of days a year and yeah. that, and that can be a, a tension diffuser. Yeah. You know because you're mean? away from everybody. So you exactly. don't have to- <laughs> And all of a sudden you're at home and you realize, well, you can't go anywhere, but you know, as you said, it's like, I guess we all get along pretty good and there's no yeah. knockout drag outs, you know? No, it was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. And I, I learned how to, I learned how to water a lawn very well. Perfect. Yeah. It's green as can be. So, I got the depth marked down. I got a screwdriver to test the soil. That must be the most awesome lawn in the history of man. I am satisfied, I will say, with my lawn. <laughs> Unlike my guitar collecting, which is never ending. Yes. Well, we just so, had the, uh, we had an Ikea run the other day. I don't know if you've ever done one of those. Oh, I love it. Well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm convinced that there's a level of repression. With 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 an IKEA visit because you go and you're all, you get excited about going. You're like, let's go to IKEA. We'll shop. We'll, we'll pick out some furniture. It's not going to be that much money. We'll get some meatballs, maybe some of those cinnamon rolls. It'll be great. And then you get there and they're out of that one thing you wanted. So Ooh. then you got to figure out something else. And then you're trying to find. Oh, they got the three parts, but not the fourth part. Or where is it? Then you got to ask somebody, and they got to go find it someplace. And then you're in this long ass line. And then you pack it up in your vehicle, and you get home. And as you're putting it together, there's always that one piece that just won't quite fit, and you exhaust the entire repertoire of your filth infused profanity until you're inventing new <laughs> stuff. And then finally, you, 
You know, you jimmy the thing into position and then it's all done. And then everyone smiles again. Oh, isn't this great? Oh, Ikea is the best. Like, and then you repress it. You repress the right. whole negative aspect. Of yes. It. That just happened. Ah, to me. <laughs> that's a bad, I, I did not forget my Ikea experience. I, so I never, I never kind of like lost it with that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I must've had an extra bad experience where it was just like, really, I, I don't know. Furniture shopping for me is oh, a nightmare. Oh. I've done it too much. It's never, never pleasant. Well, what happened was, you know, we had my daughter moved away. Uh, to Vermont. She was out, she, was doing, she graduated from college and she was doing this AmeriCorps gig out in uh, Brattleboro, Vermont. And then she decided to come back home. But while she was gone, my other daughter, they used to share this room and they had these bunk beds and we disassembled the bunk beds, put them side by side. And then we put the one bunk bed in the garage and we thought we had kept all the screws, right? Well, the screws were gone. We couldn't find them. So then <laughs> I, tried, I tried to MacGyver it. I'm no MacGyver. So then one thing led to another, and we found ourselves at that damn Ikea. And let me tell you something. They were out of those meatballs. Couldn't even get any meatballs. No meatballs. It was – I'm sorry to go on about Ikea. As you can tell, it's, I'm very deeply It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's totally okay. You got to get a local butcher shop. Maybe not like Ikea oh. for the meatballs. Might be a good move. Well, what was funny was is that I'll never forget the first time I was in Sweden, I was doing some fender clinics over there, and there was a guy that was with me that was the – Artist relations guy from Fender Europe, uh, Jamie Crompton, just a classic English rogue. It was just a fun as hell to be around. And then we were traveling with the, the Fender district sales manager for all of Scandinavia who lived in Sweden. So we're in Sweden and we're going from Jotoboy to uh, 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 Stockholm, someplace in between. And finally I said, hey, are Swedish meatballs a thing? I mean, is that... Or is that just like an American thing? Like, oh, no, that's a thing. I'm like, well, we're, I would really like to get the epitome of what Swedish yeah. meatballs are. And so we're driving. He goes, oh, I know just the place. So we're driving for a few hours. He pulls into an Ikea. <laughs> like, no, he didn't. He did. And then my oh. English friend looked at me. He goes, that tells you everything you need to know about, <laughs> about eating in Sweden. I go, I oh, that is yes. not accurate. I'm like, that ain't right. So I don't think so. I'm calling. I'm calling somebody at vendor immediately. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I thought that there was like a thing, though. I thought it was like a. I thought I so too. Thing, yeah. I'm not Maybe sure. Maybe the guy just didn't want to take the time out. He's like, ah, there's an IKEA. These these guys won't know the difference. Be uh, that as it may. Although, let's be honest, those IKEA meatballs are pretty damn good. It it helps you. It helps you. Uh, shall we say, uh, suffer through the rest of the experience of the of the one piece that just won't fit and the other items that are just seemingly nowhere to be found. So. <laughs> and you got to save those little wrenches, the Allen wrenches. Oh, exactly. <laughs> because it's not a, it's not a size. It's no, not a size. it's not. It's no. not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like five sixteenths and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a size. You can't do it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and nine millimeter is not the same. <laughs> I have I have a, a sort of uh, like I have a lot of tools. <laughs> oh, you're a toolsman? Well, not like big tools, like guitar tools. So tiny uh -huh. tools. I have a lot of tiny tools. Um, but like you know, different measuring things and all sorts of because uh, you know they get weird. Guitars get weird, and you got to fix them. So so you you like to work on your own stuff. You, you yeah okay. Well, I, uh, I went to electronics school, uh, for audio electronics. So I, uh, I built amps. So 
yeah, I've done and, and like don't tell anybody, but any any reissue hand wire amps, I I pretty much got the whole thing and then just redo it. No kidding. Well, cause yeah, well yeah, cause like I get picky about. I have like a couple old ones. Uh, I have one old one, uh, a deluxe reverb that's really old, and I just want everything to sound as close to that as possible. So right, I sort of and I have like a um, I had an old AC30, so then I got like a reissue AC15, and and like I safety right <laughs> safety protocols yeah, out right. the window 2020 i'm going 1959 safety right. protocol yeah <laughs> touch it and die <laughs> right like you have to you know because it sounds different whatever there's so, no question no they, question so i you know i kind of like change transformers and things and capacitors and compare them i like to compare like say well, does this sound better than this i don't know ah fascinating mostly it's just different Fascinating. See, I've always been a total lame and uh, have never worked on my own stuff. I, no. I, I just, you know what it is? I, I think more than anything else is that, you know, I'm the youngest of seven kids. Yeah. And, and I always was of the mind of, you know, claim ignorance and other people will do it for you. Ah, yes. <laughs> Which yes, is totally true. dysfunctional and, and, and messed up, if we're, if yeah. we're honest. But like if I'm in a pinch, Here's I can do a truss rod adjustment and I can set up intonation. Yeah. Uh, but most of the time I don't, and, and I never work on my own amps. I wouldn't know, uh, which is, <laughs> which I know I could do it if I would spend time to do it. And maybe I, at some point I will. Uh, but you know, I have my guys that I'll go to. This is another funny thing, which again, this is, you know, just kind of a testimony of lameness, but, um, I would never do at home recording other than like, um, uh, really? I would demo stuff in GarageBand or on my phone, you know, voice memo. Yeah. I, that's how I get my ideas down. And, and then I go into a studio to record. And so now, you know, my son being home, all of a sudden now we've got, <laughs> we've got interfaces, you know, we got stuff on the computer, we're micing everything up, you know, and so it's, it's been kind of a cool thing in that regard. Now we're to the point where, I mean, the drum sounds and stuff we're getting at home is like, we could just record here and it sounds good. So, yeah, you know, it's always that's nice to know there's, there, there's life after 50. Hey, see, I will also say this. I don't know if you're a, a dealer there, but the only amp that I ever opened up and looked at and played and said, nah, this doesn't need anything was uh, a Milkman amp. Oh, you know that's that a good amp. That's yeah. a good amp. I bought their, uh, their creamer. And okay. uh, I, so whenever I get a new amp, I got to open it up and look at it just to see curiosity. Uh, and then I, I looked in there and I closed it up. I was playing it first and I was like, this doesn't need anything. We're leaving this exactly the way it is. They didn't touch a thing. So that's a good amp. All right. I like yeah. it. I like it. I don't know. But yeah, I couldn't, uh, the whole thing came from, I would have loved to have asked somebody else to do all this stuff, except for back to the, you know, like touring question is when we oh, started yeah. out, like there was just no option. There was right. like, if, if my guitar blew up or my amp blew up, I wasn't going to get, I couldn't afford a new one or a backup. So right. There was no, I had, if it blew up at one show, I had to fix it by the next. Right. So that was the deal. And I learned it all by buying a reissue basement, probably yes. used. And I ripped everything out of it and rebuilt it hand wired so that I could fix it. So that's how oh, yeah, that actually you. came. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it came out of necessity. That's how it happened. And Tweed Basin sound magnificent. So sick. Well, the 59 sound is named after the 59 basement that I built. Ah. So that's the you. 59 sound. Yeah. See what I did there? I see you. <laughs> A real A to B move. 
<laughs> but it seems so mystical. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Well, awesome, Brian. Thanks so much know. for spending some time with us. This has been a blast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was awesome talking to you. I love watching your videos too. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's really good. All right. Well, thank you. So cool to be able to have, hopefully one of these days we'll meet in person after this, uh, this COVID situation has disappeared. Yeah. The pest after the pestilence is passed, as I like the to say. Pestilence and the land rested from war. <laughs> That's what they say. Isn't that what happened after the, the plagues of Egypt or something? I believe so. Exactly. Yeah, somewhere. It's a Old Testament stuff. <laughs> All right, my oh. friend. Well, thank you so much. And uh, you take care of yourself and uh, be safe. And we'll hopefully see you soon. You as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.